Hello and welcome to the Journeys to Wellness podcast with Jane, my mum, and me, Luke. Jane, my mum, is a qualified psychologist who works in private practice with clients. I'm a qualified yoga teacher and I'm studying to be a nutritionist. And we're inspired to share this podcast because of all of these tools that Jane has learned about and that I've learned about through yoga and other ways and just how much they've helped well how much they help us in our family and our relationships with other people and for Jane my mom how much they've helped her client or how much they help her clients in their own daily lives helping them to heal lifelong trauma helping them to overcome these almost seemingly insurmountable mental and emotional challenges and we just feel really inspired to share this information with more people because we see how much it's needed and also how powerful these practices are in changing the way that we relate to the world in really positive ways and so in this episode we're going to talk about breaking your addiction to anxiety and so to kick this one off, I'd like to ask my mom, Jane, what is anxiety and why is it so common these days? That brilliant question, Luke, and there's not really a single answer. And when, when you say, what is anxiety, I guess a lot of people listening will be, <clears throat> they'll have their own experiences of anxiety and anxiety can be, it's like on a continuum. Some people can just feel a little bit anxious or nervous and feel a bit of a fluttering in their tummy or a tightening in their chest and, and just push it down, push it down, ignore it and just carry on with their day. And that is not healthy, but a lot of people do it. A lot of us do it. We just get used to feeling an anxious feeling, pushing it down and carrying on. Yeah. And I, I just just to give you an example from myself, I am one of those people. I like to get things done. I like to be organized and I can rush around on autopilot in a hurry trying to get things done and doing this work, doing the work and what we're going to be talking about today has really helped me and it continues to help me slow down and start to notice, you don't need to rush. Why are you rushing? Mm. So that anxiety can just be that, or it can be incredibly debilitating. It can be so overwhelming for some people. They can be, their head can be almost like it's so heavy with thoughts and worries of, but what if this happens? And what if that happens? And what if those people think this about me and I'm such a loser and a failure there's no point even trying that huge overwhelming anxieties and and it can be anything in between it can be it can be a feeling of um, yeah adrenaline in the tummy a tightness in the chest a tightness in the jaw the neck the shoulders but as I said before many of us are not even aware that that's going on and we just push it down and carry on because that's what we've been taught to do and that's what our parents did and often our parents were anxious as well but they didn't know they just kept battling on and 
it became, become a habit that we are addicted to because that's how we've always done stuff. And so before we get a bit more, we're going to talk about that, why we get addicted to it, but could you just talk a little bit about, you mentioned briefly about what it's like in the body, but could you talk a bit about the science behind anxiety and how it affects our bodies and our minds? Absolutely. So scientifically, what happens when we get anxious? So I'll give you an example, maybe from my own life, and then just a little bit easier to understand yeah so for me my issue is just rushing around trying to get everything done so that I can I don't know why (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I have started to notice that in the morning even on a weekend I might be brushing my teeth really quickly so I can then do the vacuuming so I can then go to the supermarket so I can then go for a walk with a friend and not even noticing that I'm just rushing almost on autopilot from Mm. one thing to the next. So the science of that is I, in our brains, we have our prefrontal cortex, the front part of our brains. It's like just behind our foreheads. And when we're really in this prefrontal cortex and we're calm, we're thinking clearly, we're breathing deeply, we're very rational, we can, we can do some really cool things. But often, because we're in such a habit of anxious, anxiousness, anxiety, our brain <clears throat> is not fully in the prefrontal cortex, where our body is just absolutely flooded with stress hormones, stress chemicals, adrenaline, cortisol just flooding and then it what that what happens is sending a message to our brain oh fight flight freeze there's an emergency so instead of calmly being in our prefrontal cortex the brain reroutes to our more lizard brain people say or our amygdala our emotion brain our emotion mind where we are not as rational but we're not necessarily aware of this and when we're, we're like this it's a, a, a sense that we're almost on autopilot mm. we're almost dissociating just running from one thing to the next and we're not in our bodies mm. we're just living in the future not right here right now yeah and so not in our bodies because we have these huge neurochemical swathe of cortisol and adrenaline where it probably doesn't feel safe to be in the present moment and I liked how you mentioned like being on autopilot and in our brains um, how we as we've you say we've learned this from our parents we've grown up in these environments we've also probably had friends and other family members that also had these patterns and we've learned them and they've been wired into our brains and so and we'll get into that later as well as we can start to change and rewire these patterns but to come on to a little bit more along the lines of feeling that that really stressful and intense feeling Speaking of people that get into panic attacks, and some people can feel like they're coming into a panic attack, 
and they feel like they don't even know it's coming. Maybe they're, as you've talked about, just not being aware of the body. And could you talk a little bit, a bit about the science of what's happening in a panic attack, like a really intense anxiety attack that feels really overwhelming? Absolutely, Luke. Uh, and it's really interesting because panic attacks appear to come out of nowhere. They appear to just slay you. <clears throat> and I've had a panic attack myself when I was after studying psychology, raising a young family. And then I thought I was going to pass out because I couldn't breathe. I thought I was having a heart attack. My heart was just beating so fast. And I really thought I was going to pass out. Um, I was, my fingers were tingly. <clears throat> my feet were tingly. And it was scary. It was really scary. Yeah, so a really scary experience to have. It's absolutely frightening for people. And <clears throat> I can speak from experience. And so, I mean, since I had that panic attack many, many years ago, <clears throat> it's really made me interested in understanding the science of them. Yeah. And what I learned oh, is so, you know, it's so interesting. It, we have... Our body, it's like our body does, it's tugging at our sleeve. Our body is sending us little messages. And I realized as I looked back on the months or the year before I had this panic attack was I wasn't breathing properly. I used to wonder, I used to think, oh, am I getting asthma? And I went to the doctor and the doctor said, no, you don't have asthma. They didn't say anything else, so I thought, okay, I don't have asthma, but I'm not breathing. I'm just, I'm really, I just feel like I'm just breathing into my chest really quickly. And sometimes I wasn't even breathing at all. Mm. And sometimes I would get so dizzy, I'd feel like I was going to pass out, but then it would just go away. Yeah. And this was my body giving me little messages to say, hey, if you don't sort your shit out, mate we're going to give you a big panic attack. And it did. And so, yeah, the science is what, what's happening for us, for many, many, many of us that are constantly living on autopilot and not stopping, not noticing. When we don't breathe properly, so we're just breathing into the top, into our chest. And I believe, you know, psych so physiotherapists call it hyperventilation syndrome. Yeah. So we're, we're just hyperventilating the whole time. So what's happening to our poor hearts and our poor bloodstream is it's not getting enough oxygen. Yeah. And so our heart muscle, if, if we carry on like this, literally the heart muscle does deteriorate over decades. And we... You know, so when we breathe more deeply, we're, it's so much better for us. I didn't know this at the time, even after studying psychology for all those years. <laughs> yeah. But I found out the hard way mm. that actually to breathe really deeply, hard as it is for some people, it's very hard for some people because it makes them feel dizzy because they're not used to actually breathing deeply. They're so used to breathing up in their chest. Yeah. But when we do breathe so shallow, shallowly, our heart doesn't like it and it will. It can blip and do 
funny little hiccups. Yeah. And it can feel like a heart attack. Mm. Having said that, if you're having that, get it checked. Yeah. Whatever. Because you don't want to risk whether it could be a heart attack or not. But when we breathe deeply, it just changes things. So that's that's a start. Yeah. So that's a hugely important, po- important point, and we're going to come back to that later as well. And just before we move on to more of these things we can do to start to reduce anxiety, I'd love to ask you about why we get addicted to feeling anxious. And you mentioned about how we feel the cortisol and adrenaline and how our, how can we get addicted because I know like definitely as I was younger I was incredibly anxious as well and this is something that I've been able to overcome through these practices that we've talked about but could you just talk a bit more about that yeah like why we get addicted to it totally and one of my favorite phrases is we go with what we know yeah so, I mean, obviously I was anxious and I'm your mum, so <laughs> um, I would have contributed to your anxiety. We go with what we know, and if we were brought up in an anxious setting, I mean, we weren't always anxious, but if we're brought up rushing here, rushing there, not stopping always feeling like there's too much to do, never enough time to do it, let's say. And everyone else around us is doing it too, or appears to be doing it. Mm. And I get a lot of clients come to me, maybe clients that have had anxiety attacks or panic attacks, and they go, yeah, but all my friends seem to be managing and coping. Why can't I? Yeah. So a lot of it as well is comparing ourselves with others. Mm. And the fact is their friends may not be coping. They may, they may be just putting on a, a, a facade. They may also not be listening to their bodies. And their bodies may be tugging at their sleeves, giving, giving them little messages of feeling dizzy or wondering why when they're driving along they get road rage. So that's another aspect of anxiety. Because our, we're not fully in our prefrontal cortex where we're calm and rational, that we're often in our lizard brain or our amygdala, our limbic brain, we can be much quicker to anger. Yeah. Because we're not thinking properly. So we might, you know, a lovely mother, we might see her driving along and she's giving someone giving someone a message with her finger out the window yeah. when someone's cut her off. And then she might, the next, I've had clients that say, I don't know why I did that. I was just so wound up when that person cut me off when I was driving. So explosive anger can be another, another just a little message to us to go Mm. ah maybe if I stopped and calmed down a bit I might not be so angry Mm. and something else I'd like to mention about that that's helped me as I've understood this is when I see maybe I'm driving and I see someone really getting angry or when someone gets angry just knowing wow actually Obviously, it's not a nice experience to be around someone like that, but to be able to understand, wow, 
they must, they're probably feeling really anxious in their body that probably feels really scary to be in their body right now and they're just reacting to it and it doesn't mean you have to be around it and allow it to happen but for me I found just being aware of that with other people as well has helped me so much to become more compassionate and understanding and for me not to react myself and not get caught up in their their heightenedness which is can when as humans we have like the mirror neurons and we can easily connect in and feel what other people are feeling and that's something that's really helped me just understanding why that is people can have explosive anger it's actually often there's a scared person inside that's feeling really anxious mm. and beautiful so to move on again just now we know a bit what do we talk much about how we get addicted to it? Or I think, yeah, I think it's just we go with what we know. Yeah. It, you know, addiction is just something often, often we just, that's how we are. We, yeah. We're just, for me, rushing around was just my normal. Yeah. And I just didn't know even that that was um, an addiction essentially and so many of us don't know that yeah and so like you mentioned in the beginning we may have learned it from our parents other family members from yeah. friends and as we mentioned it's so common and just because something is common doesn't mean it's normal mm. and it doesn't mean that it's healthy and so many people including ourselves may feel that anxiety is really common and our bodies keep tending towards this and so to move on to the fun part of the podcast, what are some ways to start to learn to reduce anxiety and to be able to unhook and change and help us grow and heal from this addiction and these difficult and maybe sometimes scary feelings that we can feel in our bodies. And I know you talked about breathing and the power of the breath and maybe we could begin by just talking a bit more about that. Yeah, I think it's so important, Luke. And I'm reminded of the importance of it myself as well. Uh, because if we don't keep doing it, if we don't keep stopping and checking in with how we're breathing, we can we can just ratchet up the ang the anxiety can ratchet up again. And um, so it's something we need to do regularly. And I have some clients that really find the breathing hard yeah and 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 we just keep we're just keeping working on it because when we do breathe deeply and we take that time to really stop the science just a reminder about the science of it when we do breathe deeply and <clears throat> let's just do a couple of breaths right into our tummies Just I don't know about you, but I even just a couple of breaths, I feel more relaxed and more centered. And what it what it is doing, it is when we do that deep tummy, that diaphragmatic breathing, it's activating our parasympathetic nervous system, which is turning off the fight, flight, freeze, the anxious mind. 
and it's activating the calming mind. And when we do more of this, it's like it's almost, if you want to say, if you want to have if calm, serene, relaxed was a muscle, we wouldn't we, we want to really strengthen that muscle. Yeah. And so to to strengthen a muscle we have to practice. And that's yeah. just plain and simple. It just takes the hard yards. Yeah. We've we've got to do the work. But it's not just breathing. We can find a myriad of ways yeah. to to activate the parasympathetic nervous system. Yeah. And so I think as well about how you mentioned about breathing feeling difficult. And if we have been feeling, we have this pattern of anxiety, we've lived 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years with it. It's going to take some time to, doesn't necessarily need to take a long time, but it can feel difficult and it can feel even scary, which sounds interesting considering how scary feeling anxious is. But if that's what we've known, that's our known and to move into the unknown can feel scary. And just to know that it is working, it is worth it. It is validated by so much science and that just keeps sticking at it. And a great practice just for that is you can put a hand on your lower belly and just feel it rise on the inhale and fall on the exhale. So you're really breathing deep down into the belly. And that's a really powerful practice, as we've just mentioned. And that's something that's great to do if you maybe feel you have a panic attack coming on or you're feeling anxious or you're in traffic and you start to notice you're getting angry. Just take a few deep breaths and notice how you feel. It's so powerful. And so we've talked about deep breathing. And so now can we talk a little bit about some of the other practices that can really help us to unhook from this anxiety and start to connect more into that, strengthen that peaceful, serene, calm muscle or that part of our brain and body. Absolutely. There's, there are so many practices that can help. <clears throat> um, and, and it's really great to find something that works for you, not that works for someone else. One size does not fit all because I have some clients that say, oh, you're not going to tell me to do yoga, not yoga. But yoga is proven. You know, yeah. there's science behind doing yoga. But if you don't <clears throat> like yoga, don't do yoga. Don't. If you like gardening, go out and just do some gardening. But when you do the gardening, notice your hands in the soil. Don't put a time limit on or if you, if you have to be somewhere in 15 minutes, don't go out and do the gardening because you're going to be rushing around. Give yourself plenty of time. Buy some beautiful flowers do something that have a nice fragrance and plant them when you just nice and slowly. <clears throat> As one of my <clears throat> meditation teachers said, the slower you go, the more you know. Mm. And whether it's 
gardening or just going for a nice slow walk in nature. There's a lot of science behind walking in nature and how therapeutic that can be. And like you said, Luke, it might not, it's not going to fix you the first time, the first time you do it. And if your habitual way of being is being anxious, it's going to take a lot longer than just one walk in nature or one round of deep breathing. And I know for my own self, I have to do something that I love for my self-care every single day yeah and I really notice when I don't do it yeah I really notice if I'm quick to anger or I'm starting to feel anxious and then I can go oh yeah I've just been on holiday for example and I've got out of routine I haven't done I love yoga that's really good for me I love meditation it's really good for me I love walking in nature that's really good for me yeah but there's uh, other things Baking, baking. If you if you're able to do it slowly and calmly, mm. that can be another lovely thing. Getting all your baking ingredients out beforehand, taking your time, not judging yourself, and just yeah. just being curious and interested with and kind to yourself. Yeah, I love that as well. Like food, mm. or cooking, or baking as a practice. We just watched a beautiful sort of documentary on Netflix it was called The Chef's Table with a Korean Buddhist nun and her kind of meditative practice is cooking the food for the temple and she was discovered by like famous chefs from all around the world because she just made such beautiful food with so much love put into it and people have been going from all over the world to stay at her like temple where she lives and she just cooks really simply she doesn't want to be a famous chef but I love that so much just bringing that real intention and mindfulness into cooking like or whatever it is as we've talked about and yeah and I've just got as you're saying that it just reminds me Luke that many of my clients say they do, they've taken up cooking or they've taken up gardening or taken up midi midi um, or rongoa or yeah. a, a many, many different things. And then they've had like a blowback from family and friends. They've had criticism yeah. because they've changed. They're not as on time as they used to be or yeah. they're more relaxed, but they're... Yeah, they're, they're just different. And just to know that, that you're, you're not responsible, just to, you're not responsible for their opinions, but you are responsible for what you've got control over. And just really knowing that it's okay, it's okay to just be you and to have permission to just be you and to... No, notice the difference. If you're feeling calmer, you're feeling better, then that's good. And 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 I've had some clients that have, after maybe a year, it might take a while. Family members have started to go, oh, we want to we want to be like you. Mm. We want to change too. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. So that's another great inspiration as well. Like as we heal ourselves 
that is how we create positive change in the world, like starting with yourself and being an example and being someone that people look to and being like, wow, yeah, I'd, I want to be like them. Or I want to, like, what are you doing? How are you? And eventually people are curious and that's such a powerful way to change yourself and then to help support others as well. So maybe for other people that are wondering like, oh yeah, I, how can I help my friend, my, my mom, she's really anxious and just being that example, being that person and knowing we can't, there's that old saying where you can lead a horse to water, you can't make them drink, we can't force someone to change, but we can be an example that people are inspired by. And just for a final mention, so we talked about getting better and healing from anxiety and basically any practice that brings you into the present moment where you're not thinking, oh, what's going to happen to me in the future or you're worrying about the past, where you're in your body. And we talked about that slow, deep breathing that's so powerful for regulating our nervous system and bringing us into the present moment. And we also talked about mind-body practices like yoga, like breathing, taking a walk in nature, could be cooking, basically anything where you're moving and focused on the present moment. We also talked about gardening. And any of these practices have been shown to increase our mind-body connection through strengthening the vagus nerve when we're present and calm and breathing deep in the present moment. We are literally strengthening the connection between our mind and our body. And so for some more inspiration with these practices, scientists have actually measured, for example, people doing yoga or deep breathing and they can measure this nerve called the vagus nerve that connects our mind and our body and it, the connection literally becomes stronger and they can see it happening. And so as we talked about becoming more aware of our bodies, as we do these practices, it gets easier and easier to become more aware and to become more present as we strengthen this connection in our body. As Jane talked about, like this muscle of being calm, peaceful and kind or in the present moment. And as you'd go to a gym and you'd work out to build a muscle, it's the same thing. Practicing really practicing daily if you can is the most powerful thing taking whatever works for you whether that is yoga meditation going for a walk in nature taking your dog for a walk playing with your kids any of these practices where you're in the present moment is so powerful for breaking your addiction to anxiety so thank you for listening to this week's episode of the journeys to wellness podcast i really hope you enjoyed this one and maybe have taken a few things away from it reflected on yourself and maybe just been inspired to continue a practice that you're already doing or maybe pick up something new thanks for listening <laughs>